Isn't that fun? Hey, um, man, like, I don't even, I'm so excited about today. Like, it's new, it's monumental, it's fresh, it's a morning service. What do you guys think about morning? You guys like it? I'm normally like a night person, so I'm adjusting, but that's okay. When God's presence is here, it doesn't matter what time of day it is. When God's word is being proclaimed, it doesn't matter what sphere you're in. God's power is there. His anointing is there. His word is there. I read it last week. His word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And, and get this. It bypasses all the junk and goes straight to your soul. It speaks to it. That's why it's important that we read it. Right, Nelson? It's important, right? <laughs> it's why it's important we read it, we study it, we understand it. But I have a message for you in my heart. We, we've been going through as a church prayer and fasting, and we, we, we're on like last week. So for those who's been doing it, we're, we're on the last week. We're on the home stretch. And uh, it's still difficult. It's still hard. But I, I kind of like have gotten to like eating clean mode. And so now I, I, like, I'm not so focused on the food. The food's important, but I, I'm really, now I'm like, okay, I need to really step into praying and, and, and seeking God. And something, if you want to pray with me for our church corporately, one thing I'm praying for is finances in this next year in 2020. I set it up here with my wife, Kelly. I, I made a decision a long time ago not to ever worry about the finances, but to just pray about them. And I remember, I'll never forget, God dropped it in my, my heart because he knew the type of church that he was calling us to be. And, and I just, I couldn't, it was, I was so uneasy with the, the passing of the buckets. And I felt like God say, well, then remove them. And I was like, ah, I don't know about that. Like, I've always known that, you know, people give that way. And it's like, oh, no, 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 it, it's going to be me that takes care of the church. I, I am El Shaddai, the God of abundance. Check this. God, God isn't the God of El Chipo. He's the God of El Shaddai. El Shaddai is the God of more than enough. Right when you meet enough, he exceeds and, and goes beyond it. That's the God that I get to serve. And I just want you to know, if you're new in this, in this space, we want you to know you're loved. We care about you. We really do say this, and we, we believe it. You do not have to believe what we believe to belong here. You can come and be a part of this church. You don't have to believe it. You don't have to love it. But I, I just know I love people. And if you just love people and you just want to be here, then come and be here. We're going to love you. We're going to love you. We're going to love you. We're going to encourage you. We're going to call you to more. But you don't have to believe what we believe to belong here. Does that make sense? I just, I just believe that's the heart of Jesus. Everywhere he went, everything he did, love was his call. Love was the aroma when you were around him. Love was in his heart, in his being. And you could see it all throughout the scriptures, painted in love. But that's off topic. This is, I, want, I'm, I want to talk to you about something important that God's been stirring in my heart over this, this last week. You know, so this Sunday we're praying and fasting all the way to next Sunday, and, and then we're, we're breaking it. I'm breaking it that, that evening, and I'm just so excited to, to see what God's going to do in these la this last week. But this is what I feel God's put over on, on my heart for this, this church and this gathering today. Now, I was thinking about all his promises. Have you ever read about the promises of God? It's very interesting. When you read the scriptures, he will promise something to his people, but we have to understand that we are his people. I know we're not Israelites. I know maybe someone's Jew in this room, but I know we might not be Jewish, but when we read the scriptures in, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, I know, you know, we might not live in their custom, but when he speaks and proclaims a promise, the promise is also for you. 
I really do believe that when you see it, when you, when you read it, you can claim that promise. But what, what, what also is interesting to me is, is like, I, I've, been, I've been just in this fast. I'm like, God, you know, I, I'm praying for, for my family, God, that for my gen, the generations to come. God, for my kids, Father, for those that, that, that would call me Father. Lord, I'm praying that your word says that to teach up a child in the ways of the Lord, right? And when they go older, the, the word won't turn void. And I'm already praying that my, my children will never run away from God. They might. It's up to them. But I'm just praying that God would be with them through, through generations. And I, I honestly want to be the type of person where my family, for people around me, can step on my shoulders for the next generation. And there's this, this thing about promise, though, that I believe that God can give to every person in this room. You know, promise is very close to a dream, right? You get a dream in your heart, and it, it begins to stir, and it begins to boil. And, you know, uh, my wife, we found out she's pregnant, you know, a couple months ago. And, and then, you know, now we got the word out, and everyone's knows, and it's like, I'm so impatient. And I'm like, okay, now I just want the, the, I want the child here now. Like, is it going to be a boy? Is it going to be a girl? What are we going to name it? And it's like, I'm like already over the season of pregnancy, but we're, we're only like a couple weeks in, right? And it's like something about when God gives you a dream, when he gives you a promise, what we want so bad is for it to be expedited. It's like, I, I want it like Amazon Prime, God. I, I want it like tomorrow or I want it really soon, but that's not how God works. I would say, more importantly, when God gives you a dream and he gives you a promise, it comes with process. There's a promise that I read to God often. I, I do. I read to God. I say, God, this is your promise. Will you, will you make it alive in my life? One of the promises, and my God will meet, I don't know if you've heard this, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus my God will meet all your needs according to the riches and glory. And if you go to the context, because context is so important, it's like the frame to a picture. And without a frame, a picture isn't as nice. It's not holding still. It's like when you look at a picture, it doesn't make sense without the framework. And the framework of that context, the people in that church, they, they gave to Paul the apostle because he was a traveling evangelist, he was a traveling pastor, he was a, a traveling church planner. And what happened was they, they, they opened up their hands and they said, Paul, you can have gifts. They were the only church, Paul said, you were the only ones that sent me gifts. You were the only ones that took care of me. And then he proclaims this promise over the people. He says, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. See the what happens is the problem to the promise is sometimes we get it mixed up. When God gives you a promise, you think, okay, I just need to sit back and do nothing about it. Or when God gives you a promise, sometimes you want to hold it and you don't want anyone to know about it or you don't want to get it out or you don't want anyone to take that idea or to take that dream. And oftentimes we could be trying to pursue someone else's purpose when it's not even your own purpose. For example... This table, as long as we've been here, this table doesn't speak, does it? It knows not to speak. It, it knows its purpose. Its purpose is to hold still and to allow me to read my notes, right? This microphone only works when I speak through it. It has a purpose. 
And what happens is we try to get in a lane that is not our purpose because we haven't gone to God about what our promise is. We haven't gone to God about, God, what is it that I'm, I'm called to do, purpose to do? Speak to the depths of my soul. And God will give you a promise. I believe that. Seek it. I, I'm, a, I'm a dreamer, naturally a dreamer. I'm a futurist. I'm thinking about it. I'm praying on it. And there's this, 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 this passage of scripture where Joseph he was a, a, the youngest of his brothers, and he had a dream, a crazy dream, didn't make sense type of dream, and it was offensive. It was very offensive to his family. It was offensive to his mom and dad and to his brothers, and there was a moment, it, it just catches my eye every time I read it. The scripture says the, the brothers were off doing their, their work, and Joseph was coming to them. The father said, go, to, go help your brothers out, and the brother said, there's that dreamer. Man, there's that dreamer again. There he is. I don't know about you, but if, if you're not a dreamer, maybe you need to get around some dreamers. Because God will, will enlighten something in you. He will flame a fire that is in your soul that he put in there. But it has to come when you seek God and you pray to God and you desire God that he will give you a promise. I wrote this down. The promise is contingent upon the process. Come on, can we, we have it up there. Say it with me. The promise is contingent upon the process. The promise is contingent upon the process. One more time for the people in the back. The promise is contingent upon the process. What on earth does that mean? God gives you a promise. Hey, this is what I'm calling you to do. This is the dream I have over your life. But in order for the dream to come true, it has to go through a process. The promise is contingent upon the process. Something has to happen in the middle for the promise to come to pass. And what we want is we want the promise, we want the dream, and we want to just sit back and do nothing. But we have to realize that process and grinding it out and working it out and getting on your knees before God and praying to him and seeking his face and going to that person and going and talking about new ideas, it's all a part of the process. You see, the scripture says Joseph, he had a dream, right? Joseph, to his dream, I want to read you. We don't have enough time to go through his story, but this, here's his story in a, in, a, in a snapshot. Joseph was the last of many brothers. He had a dream. He was thrown into a pit by his brothers. Then he was sold into slavery, but he was, he was, he was told that he was going to be in a high place. That was the promise. He got a dream from God. And the dream was, it's kind of crazy, you should read it. The dream was his brothers were bowing down to him, like, like not worshiping him, but they were, they, were, they were looking to him for help. And then he tells his brothers, and they're like, you're crazy. We don't like, why would you tell your brothers that, right? Hey, by the way, I had a dream, and, and you guys were like coming to me. I know I'm the last brother, but you guys were coming to me for help. And then he had another dream, and it says the sun and the moon, and he understood the sun and the moon to be his mom and dad. So he went and told his mom and dad, and they were really upset. Well, why would you tell your whole family, one day you're all going to come to me asking me for help? It, sometimes the promise is absurd. It does not make sense. You hear me? It, the, the dream just does not, it doesn't resonate with logic, especially when it's a God dream. And you know, the thing about God I'm discovering is he's not real big on, when he gives you a promise, he's not real big on the details. He didn't tell Joseph, well, you're going to be thrown into slavery by your brothers. 
You're going to be thrown in a pit. They want, they're going to try to kill you. He didn't tell them any of that stuff. They were thrown. That doesn't look like the promise, sold into slavery. He was falsely accused of raping a woman in high authority. That wasn't the promise. He was then thrown in prison. I don't know. Maybe this is for someone in the room. Maybe you feel like you're in prison and you're not even stepping into what God has actually called you to do in your life. And it looks like prison walls all around you and it stinks of odor and it smells and it's a low place and you, you, you communicate to God and you say, God, this is not what you called me to. This is not the dream that you put over my life. Why am I sitting in a prison? Well, the promise is contingent upon the process. I have this theory. I really, it's my own opinion, so you could jot it out if you don't want. But I have this theory that if God gave you a dream, say you were 15 years old, God gave you a dream and you saw, you saw what you were going to do and you, you had this passion within you. You, you wanted to be a lawyer, you, you wanted to be a, a doctor, whatever it is, there's schooling, there's something to do. You want to be a basketball player, like an NBA player. I know that might be Nelson's, it might have been his dream, right? Like, who knows what it is, right? I want to be a professional baseball player. There's nothing wrong with those dreams, by the way. But what happens is, I really do believe if God were to show you the dream, give you the passion for it, show you the purpose of how to do it, and he were to give it to you that day, right then, and you were to, to move throughout time, if you're 15 and you go to 33 years old at that very moment, but you've had no process, I believe I have a theory that you would ruin it all in a couple days. You wouldn't know how to delegate your finances right. You just go spend whatever you want. Maybe you have a family. You have no idea how to be a father. You know how, know how, how idea to be a mother. You have no idea how to, how to help people or structure people. Maybe you're, well, whatever it is. And I, I really do believe you could ruin all in one day without the process. This is interesting to me. From the promise to the prison, it took 14 years for Joseph to see his dream. Do you hear that? 14 years. And some of us are complaining on year two. Man, I thought I'd have that house. I thought I'd have those kids. And I thought I'd have that one career. And I was making 150000 a year, living in Newport Beach. And all the, nothing's wrong with any of those dreams. But if God had given you a dream and he showed it to you and you know it's a God dream, it's not your dream, but it's his, you have to be okay with the process. This is for... Uh, for, for a friend in the room I was thinking about, I just thought about you right now, like, <laughs> if you're a teacher and you have junior hires and they're upset and they're jerks and they're rowdy and they don't want to listen to you and it's your first year teaching, but you know God's given you a dream to be a teacher, to transform lives, to be, speak hope into a room of despair. Well, that's all part of the process. You know, it's interesting, we get so upset when things go wrong in our life, little to know that it might just be God orchestrating those things to refine you. I'll prove it to you. God called Moses to lead the people. Moses, after 40 years, he didn't know certain Hebrews. He goes back to Egypt. He tells, Mo, he tells Pharaoh, let my people go. And so now he's on his way, millions, 2.5 million people out of Egypt going wherever they're going to go, being led by this guy named Moses that some of them don't even know. And then they hear the hooves of the chariots coming. 
And they're like, Moses, you promised us a land of milk and honey, but here comes six chariots chosen from Pharaoh. And you know what it says if you go and date back? It says God changed Pharaoh's heart to be angry. God did it. Let that mess your theology up a little bit because it's all a part of the process. So I'm okay now. I'm learning in my young years of life to be okay when storms come, when the winds come, when chaos comes, when it doesn't make sense, when the bad report comes, I sit and say, okay, God, what are you trying to show me in this so that I can get to my promise? If there's a way to expedite my promise and I need to learn this, I'm, I'm all years because it's a part of the process. How on earth could Joseph sit in the palace because he eventually got to palace, second in command to Pharaoh. How on earth could, we, could he stand in the palace and not go through what he went through? He wouldn't have humility. He would be prideful. He would think he knew it all. And yet it took him 14 years of process. The process is contingent upon the promise. And then one of my favorite characters in the scriptures, his name's David, King David. If you know anything about David, he is known as a man after God's own heart. If you were to go to Israel today, David is still spoken about in the city gates. David is still spoken about in every city, in every country. David is a patriarch to the story of Israel. He rose up to be a king, but he wasn't always a king because the promise is contingent upon the process. You know where he was? He was with the sheep. He was a little shepherd boy. He was taking care of the sheep. He smelled like sheep. He smelled like dung. The scripture says that when he would go around, that he would fight off lions and bears. With, and he would, he would take care of them. He would protect them because his father said, this is what I need you to do, David. This is your job. This is, that's, that's the other problem. We want the promise to be associated with the position. And, and throw position out the door. If you're just looking for position, God won't give it to you. Because God needs humble people. God needs people that have humility in their heart. God needs people that have character and desire character and, and desire to have joy and grace and peace. And there was a, there's a refining process to the journey. And so we see David, 15 to 17 years old, is told that he will be the next king. Imagine being 15 years old told you're going to be the next king of Israel. But it didn't, it wasn't Amazon Prime. <laughs> it didn't happen the next day. There was a process that God had to take David through in order for the promise to come alive. Then shortly after, he killed Goliath. He was then banished from Israel by King Saul because of his jealousy. He then hid in the desert and in caves. Imagine being told you're the next king of Israel sitting in a cave. Having that conversation with God. God, you told me that I'd be in the palace as a king. Why am I standing and sitting in a cave running away from the very people that I'm supposed to be leading? And God doesn't give us all the details, does he? He doesn't tell us all the hard things that we're going to go through. Some of you that have come to church ought to be excited. That's why we worship and praise. Because your circumstance might not make sense, but God is a God of promises. So if God has already promised to you, it's already done in eternity. Did you know that God goes beyond time? God is eternal. He's an eternal being. He's eternity. 
Eternity is a divine word. That's the best way we can describe God. He's eternal. He wasn't in time. He, he, didn't, he, he wasn't operating in time. He, he operates outside of time. And then he sent Jesus to come into time. But all the while, he sees the beginning from the end. I've said this to you before. So if he sees your promise, you've already walked in it in eternity. That's why the scripture says, I am now hidden in Christ Jesus. I hold his righteousness. I hold eternity with Christ. I am now abiding in Christ because I have now become, in some ways, not fully, but I can stand understanding that there's eternity in me. Isn't that interesting? But we operate in time because we're human beings. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. We can't fathom it. It is illogical. When we read the scriptures, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. How could you have known me if I wasn't even born? Well, God doesn't operate in our time. He operates in eternity. So if he's given you a dream and it's from him, first you have to make sure it's from him. That's between you and God. But when he gives you a dream, you have to stand in it knowing that there will come persecution, that there will come trials. God told you to start that business, and now you're, you're working on it, and you're growing in it. God, God said to start that church, and now we're working on it. We're growing, and there's something about just consistency. There's something about showing up when you're in the prison and saying, you know what, God? The circumstances do not make sense, but this was not the promise. I just have to understand this is the process. So be okay with the process. And I know that's hard in this generation in our lives. Get this. David lived on the run. He was forced out of the nation. He fought battle after battle after battle. And it took nearly 15 years from the time of the promise of king before he became king. Here's what the scripture says in Psalm 78. And I like to think of like, you know, that old song from Drake started from the bottom. Now we're here. David, he, he, he was a musician. Did you know that? He wrote songs. I think Drake got it from David. I just, I don't know. So it says this in verse 70. He it says, he chose David, his servant, God, he chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pen. He chose him. He saw him. He saw something about his character. He saw humility in his heart. It doesn't matter how old you are in this room. He will see you by your heart. He will see you by what he calls you to. That's why he told a man named Gideon when he was sitting, going through the wine press, and he was afraid, and all the, the warriors were coming, and all the enemy was coming, and the Midianites and the Malachites, and he was terrified because he heard about the stories of God. He heard about the promises of God, but it wasn't making sense to him. And the scripture says, an angel of the Lord comes to Gideon, and he says, how are you, warrior? And Gideon's like, I'm not a warrior. I'm a farmer. Why on earth would God call you something that you're not? It's because he sees who you are. We just have to ask God, give us the eyes to see who I am, where I'm going. What is the dream, God? What is the promise, God? And, and according to David, if we were to look at his life, he started from the bottom. He started from the sheep pen, and he rose to the palace, but it took time. So I believe in order to find your purpose, you must serve. I know we don't like it. I know it doesn't sound sexy. I know it's not appealing, but we have to be willing to serve. 
We have to be willing to humble ourselves. There's something about doing that. There's something about just relaxing and being okay with the position that we're in. There's something about it because I believe if it's all about position, then once you get it, you're going to be that type of leader that no one wants to be around because you're prideful and you're money-driven and you just want a certain result instead of the process. He started from the sheep pen. Psalm 138 verse 8 says this. This is David speaking. This is how confident he is in God. He says, the Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Here's the promise I've been preaching. I have. I've been preaching it to God. God, you said that you will fulfill your promise and your purpose for my life. So I'm praying, God, you should pray this same prayer. Pray it. If you're, I mean, it's a scary prayer, it's an audacious prayer, but I believe God operates in audacity. I believe God operates in extreme. I believe God operates when people are willing to risk instead of sitting in mediocrity. God, you promised that you would fulfill your purpose in and through my life. We must seek it, we must desire it. It says, your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. You're eternal, God. So do not forsake the work of your hands. Psalm 105 says this. This is kind of a breakdown. I love this because this is generations. This is a promise of generations. Just like I believe God's given my wife and I a promise of generations. I've received it already from my family, from my great-grandfather. I believed that my, great, my great-grandfather was a preaching evangelist. I never met him in my life. But there's something about a praying man or woman. <laughs> God's eternal. So the scripture says in Revelation, when you pray a prayer, it goes up into the heavenlies, and, and it goes up, and it goes up, and it goes up, and it might not come to pass now, but it might come to pass five years from now, because God's eternal. He's not in a rush. He's not in a hurry. We are. And so I believe that my great-grandfather was praying, God, raise within seed, raise within my family someone that would stand up and, and speak life into people, and now I'm praying that same prayer. God, I'm praying that my family, that my generation would be blessed, God. That they wouldn't have to, to sit and, 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 and be, be hurt and broken. That they would stand in victory. And I'm okay with them standing on my back. And while you stand on my back, look at the scars throughout my life and throughout my journey. It's all about the process. The promise is contingent upon the process. Here's the promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It says, this is the covenant made God made with Abraham and the oath he swore to Jacob. He confirmed it to, I'm sorry, the oath he swore to Isaac. He confirmed it to Jacob as a decree and to the people of Israel as a never-ending covenant. This is three generations, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Verse 11, I will give you the land of Canaan as your special possession. And he said this when they were few in number. They were few in number. They were in a low place. They were in the sheep pen. They wandered from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another, yet he did not let anyone oppress them. There was protection there. He warned kings on their behalf, do not touch my chosen people and do not hurt my prophets. He called for a famine on the land of Canaan, cutting off its food supply. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph, the dreamer. Oh, here comes that dreamer. I really believe that God will give his purpose on people that are willing to dream. Do you have a dream in your heart? Do you have an open hand unto heaven? 
He says, God, whatever you, whatever you want me to do, the gifts, the talents, the attributes you've given me from my life, from my worldview, from my upbringing, God, use it all. I, I'm an open vessel because I want what you have in store for my life to be a blessing to other people. They bruised Joseph's feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar. Here it is. Is it up there? Until the time came to fulfill his dreams. Here it is. The Lord tested Joseph's character. Wow. Contingent upon the process. I'm proving it to you right now. You have a dream. Good. Pursue it. Seek after it. If you don't get around dreamers, you will quickly. If you don't seek God, pray to God this week. God, give me a dream. God, speak to me what you have in store for my life. But I can promise you, he might give you the dream and the promise, but he has to be willing to take you through the process because he wants to see your character. He wants to know what's, how you are and how you react when all hell breaks loose. That's what God wants to see. Not when it's all butterflies and it's like yeah we're dancing and it's amazing and the finances are good and it's all happy and no one's arguing no one's bickering no one's fighting no God wants to see what your life when everyone's coming against you God wants to see how you handle people when they don't like you that's how, that's what God wants to know how are you going to respond to your brothers Joseph after they've thrown you sentenced you to life almost killing you I want to know how you're going to react to them when they come to you and asking the famines here. They didn't even know who he was. Isn't that crazy? Let me give you a timeline. Joseph was the last of brothers, the son of Jacob, thrown into slavery. Now go through all the stuff. Potiphar's wife, he's accused of being raped. He's thrown into prison. Now he's in prison, and he still, he still has character. The scripture says that in prison, he rose up to the top level of leadership in the prison. That's the type of, of person that God is looking for in order to do what he's calling us to do, in order to put out his plan for our lives. God is looking for people with the right character. How will you handle this when this is going on? The worship team, you guys can come on up. This, this is a thought that I have. I, we, we don't want to lie. I want to be honest. This isn't a show. This is, this is the real deal. I believe in this. I've put my life in, in, in the, the hands of Jesus. I've asked God to speak to me, and I feel like God was saying that's, it's important to talk about promise. The promises are there, but sometimes we can take pieces of the promise. Just like I did earlier on this scripture, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Jesus Christ. My mom always reminds me, and I had to learn through Bible school, when you read a certain portion of scripture, you have to read the whole chapter, or you won't understand what's going on. So here's, here's a piece of the promise that we, we like to pray. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. The promise the promise, the promise, but there's pieces that God gives. There's pieces, there's pieces, and he's looking for your character. Another passage of scripture says this in Mark. It says, have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that they will see, that what they see will happen, it will be done for them. Here's the promise we all want to pray. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. 
You know how many times I've heard that? My mom's laughing because she tells me there's nothing wrong with it. But I had to do a little research. God said, that's great. That's the promise, but it's a piece of the promise. I was like, okay, God, well, what's, what's the full promise then? What's the full promise, God? It's the process. It's being willing to, like I spoke about last week in Joshua when he said, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow I will do great and mighty things amongst you. It's being willing to consecrate yourselves. It's being willing to be pure. We don't like that, right? It's being willing to, if we're with that guy or that girl, we know God keeps pronging our heart and speaking to our heart. You shouldn't be dating this person. You shouldn't be watching this anymore. You shouldn't be talking like that anymore. There's something about your heart that I need to shift and I need to change. And in order for the promise to come true in your life, you have to be willing to go through this process. And I know it's not fun and I know it's damaging and I know it's offensive, but I have to get this out so that I can fulfill the promise in your life. And here it is. You might not ever see the promise if you're not willing to go through some changes. There's changes, minute changes, big changes, macro and micro changes, all sorts of changes that God wants to instill in your life, not because he doesn't like who you are. He loves you. But the person that he's calling you to be, you need to to work on some stuff. You need to get real with him. And I love this about God. I mean, I could stand up here and talk about sin all day, but we know what sin is. You know that thing, that if it wasn't in your life, life would be so much better? Then why don't we give that to God? Why don't we consecrate ourselves to God? We want God to fill up our barns. We want our cup to overflow. But we we have to look at David's life so that he could say, my cup overfloweth. He literally said, God just keeps pouring abundance upon abundance upon abundance. And we want that passage so bad for our lives, but we're not willing to go through the steps that David had to take in order to obtain the promise. It was contingent upon the process. So where is it in your life that God is speaking to you right now? I need need this to alter. I, I just need this to shift just a little bit because I'm doing something in your life. You know, that storm that's in your life, that person that's in your life, I'm using that person for for your purpose. I'm using that circumstance. I'm using, you, you you don't have enough finances in that business. I'm using that so that you can depend on me. Because I just need to know, will you still depend on me when it's all flowing, when your cup is overflowing? I just need to understand, are you a giver or are you a receiver? Because I believe that God will rain down heaven upon people that have an open hand. I just want to serve. I just want to help. What do you need help with, brother? Are you, oh, God's, God's moving in this church. You need, uh, yeah, let, let me help you. Whatever it is, whatever's going on, you need, you need help with the curtains? Let me help with the curtains. You want me to take down the chairs? I just want to learn how to serve because it's in the serving that I become humble and it's in the humble that God gives me more and more and more. And so now when I'm standing in my promise and my brothers come to me, I don't have to reject them. I don't have to say no to them because God's dealt with my heart all throughout the process. Here's the last scripture for you. Philippians, it says this, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. 
Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving. There it is. Not one church did, except you only. You only, Philippians, you gave, you took care of me, you sent me gifts. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. My cup's overflowing now. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragment offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. You might be thinking you're giving to man. Please don't, you, you, ha, you, you have to know this. When you, if you give, you don't have to give to coin. If it's a matter of like greed, then give to an orphanage. Give, give, give to the Red Cross. Give to something else. Don't, don't use the excuse of God for your greediness. You just have to be honest there. Because I believe when your hand is open, and he says, now, now Paul expresses the promise that we need to take hold of. He says, and my God will meet all your needs. My God will take care of you. You took care of me. You took care of the kingdom. You took care of the work of God. Your business is going down. Take care of the kingdom. Life's going astray. Take care of the kingdom. It doesn't have to be finances, by the way. Pray for the kingdom. Pray for the church. Pray for people around you. Step into the kingdom of God. Read the scriptures. Understand the mission of God, the power of God, the anointing of God. And then my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ. I want to encourage us to be a type of people that pursue our purpose. Take hold of the promise. But more importantly, fight through the process. Fight. I just gotta fight. I just gotta, there's just another day. I know I'm, I'm working overtime. I know it doesn't make sense, but I just gotta get up and I gotta fight another day. I gotta walk another day. I gotta study another day. I gotta plan another day. I gotta go through that training another day. I gotta run another five miles again. Another day and another day and another day. And eventually God begins to work on your character throughout the process. That's my prayer for our community in this year. Will you stand with me? We're gonna end with worship. God, I pray, Father, as, as we're in this season, Jesus, of just praying and fasting. God, I pray for every person in this room that is, is, is seeking a touch from heaven. God, even as this message was spoke, Father, you, you dropped into their heart their, their purpose and their promise and their dreams flashes of their dreams God flashes of the future Father I pray that we would never get away from understanding that all good things come from you Jesus that we have to be okay with fighting throughout the process of, of working throughout the process of, of dealing with the ups and the down of the process knowing oh God that it's renewing us it's reshaping us it's remolding us it's doing something within our soul so I pray, God, in this, this last moment that we have as we worship and praise you, if we are comfortable, God, that we would sing to you, that we call out to you, that we want more of you, God. More for our families, God. 
more for the friends around us, Jesus, that are in despair and anxiety and depression, more for the people around us that need a touch of heaven. Use us to be a blessing for others, Lord. In your name we pray, amen.